want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today's episode is in partnership with AdColor, the largest, most recognized cross-discipline diversity and inclusion initiative for creative industries. The AdColor Conference and Awards is an annual event that for the last 15 years has helped companies to discover, promote, and innovate with diverse talent. This year, AdColor is inviting the community and its allies to pull up in the fight for lasting change. The hybrid event will present powerful and authentic conversations and celebrate the change makers across creative industries, both virtually and at a small in-person event in New York City on October 5th through the 8th. So today, joining us is Antonio Lucio, who is the principal and founder at 5S Diversity and an executive fellow at Yale School of Management. Let's jump in and get to know Antonio. Antonio, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well, Eric. How are you? Oh, we're pumped. We're thrilled you're hanging out with us. My only comment is you're going to have to change the name of your podcast pretty soon. It's no longer Minority Report. We're it, man. I love it. (laughs) And if you you talk to your younger audiences, particularly Generation Z, we are. The majority, maybe the majority report is more appropriate as we turn into the next decade or something. (laughs) We love it. Can you be our first guest again with the new name? Yeah. yeah, All right. (laughs) (laughs) But we're thrilled you're here hanging out with us and we can't wait to get to know you a, a lot better. And I wish that everyone could see how amazing your background is clearly filled with a lot of things that are important and have touched you. And I want to ask you a little bit about that in a few. But first, Antonio, for those that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about Antonio first? Antonio, where were you born and raised? And tell us a little bit about your background, your culture and identity. Yeah, I was born in the southern part of Spain in a small city called Cadiz. Uh, My father was from Spain. My mom was Puerto Rican. And as I was growing up, we crossed the Atlantic Ocean twice because they were trying to figure out where we were going to live and where they were going to raise the family. My father and I had always uh, one of those stupid existential arguments that families have. He used to say that I was a Spaniard that happened to grow up in Puerto Rico and I would return very rebelliously saying, no, I'm a Puerto Rican that happened to be born (laughs) in Spain, which was just ridiculous stuff. The The truth of the matter is that I felt always bicultural in that sense. I love Spanish food. Jamón Iberico is one of my favorite things in life. But when it comes to music, when it comes to hanging out with friends and having a good time, salsa is the beat. And reggaeton, by the way, as well. Uh, uh, That's kind of it. And I also inherited a bit of the great skin color from my mother's side of the family. So I'm in tune with my roots. (laughs) I want to ask you a little bit about that because it's kind of like Another layer question, you mentioned the skin color and your dad from Spain and your mom having the the complexion and the the color. Can you talk to us a little bit about, for those people that don't know, what that kind of means to folks like us and especially folks from a a Spanish background and a Caribbean background? You know, racism is alive and well in Latin American countries. And it's kind of interesting because in many Latin American countries and even Spain, they would be insulted if they were considered people of color, yeah. for example. So when I grew up in Puerto Rico and I you know, went to school in, in Louisiana, I was labeled, regardless of where I came from, because most people don't know and don't care, I was Latino. The mm-hmm. accent 
the olive skin, if you will, gave it away. I was Latino. I, I remember vividly in Baton Rouge getting out of a, um, an English literature class and two beautiful women came to talk to me and I was feeling really good because two beautiful women were coming to talk to me. And, and they, then they, they, in a very patronizing sort of way, looked at me and said, uh, oh, uh, so what did you get in the, in the test? Uh, I was a good student. I had a great grade on it. I showed that and they, they were completely blown away by it. And they very quietly just moved to the side. I guess uh, if, you, if you have an accent, mm. you're not supposed to have good grades in, in mm. English literature. And I did. So uh, it is just all part of the experience. (laughs) That makes sense. And thank you for sharing your experiences with us. Antonia, I want to talk to you about the work at 5S Diversity. And I also want to talk to you a little bit about what it's like to work for some of the most well-known brands in the world. But first, talk to us a little bit about the work you're doing with 5S Diversity. So after literally 40 years in the corporate world, I started in Procter & Gamble, Puerto Rico in 1981, August 1981. And I started 5S, which is, it comes from five sisters, which is my five daughters, literally 40 years later, almost, almost to the day. After having had a great marketing career, at, like you said, in you know, great companies, you know, I started in Procter & Gamble, I worked at PepsiCo, I, I was the first CMO at Visa and at the first CMO when HP split into two companies and then the first CMO of all the family of apps at, at Facebook, I decided that it was during the pandemic, actually, where we all became significantly more reflective, a combination of factors. My mom passed away two weeks prior to lockdown in, in Puerto Rico and I was lucky enough to be able to be there for that before everything was shut down. And, mm. and, and she had a, a beautiful passing because she was with family when it did. And, and I have the parents of friend of mine that, that didn't have that, that blessing, if you will. They died alone in a hospital bed because everything was, was shut down. So a combination of that and the pandemic and everything, the political moment that we were living in the, in the United States, it sort of made me reflect that it was time for me to step away from from the marketing career and dedicate 100% of my time to help companies increase the participation of women and people of color in senior marketing roles. And, and the reason that I did that is because that had been my experience, that had been the work that I, that I was doing as a practitioner CMO. And that was the conversations that I was having with my fellow CMOs as an industry, we've been very successful in bringing a lot of Black, Hispanics, females, uh, even LGBTQ at the entry level. So all the best practices that we have from AdColor and, and companies like Verizon and AdFellows and many of those partnerships with historical Black uh, colleges and universities and so on and so forth was great in bringing people in. The biggest gap that we have as an industry is in senior in senior marketing roles. And it had been my experience that if you cannot see yourself in the senior leadership of, of the company, is is very difficult for you to actually think through. I want to be a CMO. Why? Because you, you know, Antonio has the same accent that I do, or whatever it may be. So what I've been doing, actually, we launched it last month, is a, a leadership acceleration project called LEAP. Leadership Empowerment Acceleration Project, 
it is aimed at very specifically at the direct report of the CMO and the direct reports of those direct reports. So basically a very narrow focus of vice presidents and senior directors. And what we've been able to build is what I have experienced during my 40 years career of what constitutes success. And there are four things. One is capability, not just functional, but leadership capability. And as you know, all the research that has been done shows that when it comes to leadership capabilities, women and particularly people of color get significantly less training and less mm-hmm. opportunities in that area. Right. The second is community. They need to have a, a community of like-minded people, not just internally, but importantly, externally. Mm-hmm. The third one is mentoring. And I separate the concept of mentoring, which is external, external to your companies, people that have lived enough to be able to call it on you and say, it's time for you to move from companies, for example, or you're mess, Antonio, you're messing it royally, personally, as I've had mentors tell me in the past. And then the last piece is sponsoring, which Mm -hmm. is the internal person inside the company that is driving your career. This is the person that fights for you and it's able to give you stretch assignment, which means Assignment based on potential, which is what white folks that graduate from Harvard get versus based on actual resume. So that's what we were able to build. We have 11 top companies participating in it. We are in the middle of it right now. And I am honestly having a lot of fun. Part of my role is not only teaching some of the classes, but also individual mentoring to this 44 people from 11 different companies and 11 industries that are participating in my program. And I'm sorry for the long-winded answer. Yeah, that was great. Thank you for that, Antonio. And I'm curious to to get your take on this, right? Because I feel that diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives within an organization is really the responsibility of every employee. But I think given the role that the CMO plays inside of an organization, everything you just said, right? Plus the internal, external communication, having a say in the position of the brand identity, all those things. I wonder if you could speak for a minute just how critical it is for the CMO to play a role in these types of initiatives within an organization. The CMO drives the culture within the marketing department, period. And I've been blessed to have been able over the last 40 years to build a very strong partnership relationship, in many cases, even friendship relationships with some of my fellow CMOs. So as we were developing the project, it was really important that the CMO of this 11 companies, for example, were the ones responsible for selecting the high potential women and people of color, each company selecting eight, four for the fall and four for the spring. So 44 people go are going now and 44 people would go in the spring. That means that those people became immediately within the radar of this 11 top companies. And importantly, the CMOs have agreed to also be the sponsors of the talent that they have selected within the company for the next two years so that we can have a conversation, you know, six months, 12 months, 24 months out as to, you know, what happened with Eric? What happened with Corel? What happened Mm. with Antonio? Did they stay in the company? Did they left? If they left, did they get the jobs that they were trying to get? That's the type of data information and support 
that we need in order to hopefully make a difference. So it's not just training for the sake of training, because I'm honestly, I'm tired of what diverse people need is just training. If we train them, they will be promoted. It's not that. They need training, but they need community. They need mentoring and they need sponsoring. Otherwise, it's just easy to just buy a stock program from Harvard or Northwestern or Yale or whatever, just put it out there, put the people in it and then ticks the box. Oh, we had 150 Black and Hispanic candidates go through the leadership program. That's not what this is about. You require the end-to-end program and to stick with it for extended period of time. Otherwise, this becomes a color of the month and we forget about it next year because we want to race for another PR press release. <laughs> uh, such great points, Antonio. I, I want to ask you to talk a little bit more about that because the way you've laid it out right, in those steps is a tremendous roadmap for companies, individuals, people, as Corral described, like, you know, a lot of people can pick that up and, and do something with it, right? And what I think is really interesting is the concept of, like you talked about, the difference between a sponsor and a mentor and community. And all of those things are things that other folks didn't realize they had or were doing, and it just became a part of the process, right? So I'm curious about how, when you take all of that and you actually do something with that moving forward, you can change the numbers like you were just describing around how inclusive are we, checkbox, here's number. How diverse are we, checkbox, got number, right? What about a sense of belonging, right? Because when you talk about community and you talk about all those things, there's a sense of belonging. So tremendous work around DEI and diversity and inclusion. Can you talk about what it means to belong and belonging associated with that? Yes. First, personally, I had to stumble into all this stuff. I did not have the model as I was developing my career. For example, I found community very late in my life. Mm. And the moment that I found community, it made a significant difference in terms of, of the feeling that isolation that sometimes you can feel either within the company or even within a given community. So the whole notion of raising the level of awareness that it's not just about performing, it's about getting the right level of skills, soft as much as hard skills, mm-hmm. and working within the community and selecting or being selected with mentors and sponsors. This is something that I didn't have this knowledge when I was starting out. And in my conversations, particularly with, with the first class, it was like, oh, wow, I wasn't thinking about it holistically like that. Because at the end of the day, if you have the commitment on developing the right level of skills, if you have a sense of community, if you have mentors, if you have sponsors internally that are really taking care of you, you are going to feel a much deeper sense of belonging. Uh, Part of the issue, and, and I've had this conversation many times, is that you have companies that said, oh, right now I am going to reserve these two chairs for two black executives and you bring them in and you just leave them there without Mm. providing the right level of support. And after a while, they may leave Mm. because they were not properly supported, Mm. particularly because since there is not a historical pipeline of people of color for senior marketing roles, you're going to have to make stretch assignments. Mm. If you're making a stretch assignment with Antonio that has never been a VP before, 
You cannot just give him the BP title and leave him out of his own means to figure it out. In fact, I will tell you, Eric and Karel, most of the conversations that I'm having within the cohort of the first leap class is people that are new to role that were promoted by the way that they were performing their old role, yet the new role will require that they do things significantly different. Mm. And then they become completely overwhelmed because it's like, wait, I was doing the job the way that I was doing the job. I got promoted. I got a great salary increase. Now they gave me these added responsibilities and I don't have enough times in a day because I had my old responsibilities plus the new responsibilities. I don't know how to cope. I'm actually having a very hard time coping. These are conversations that I'm having daily. And the answer to that is you have to change the way in which you see your role. You have to change the way in which you are investing your time. You're going to have to delegate some of the stuff that you used to do because from now on, what they are going to measure in terms of success is not what you used to do just a week ago. Why wouldn't you have extra support in everything that you just described? You would never do that in another scenario. That's right. Such a large undertaking. Be sometimes even part change agent, not only for what you've been brought into, but for yourself, right? Doesn't all that sort of scream additional support? That's right. And by the way, if you have a mentor, it will help you. You know, this is normally what, what is happening. If you have a community of people that are going through your same process, they can tell you, man, I'm really struggling as well, because you know what happens, right? We all have all black, white, uh, any, we all have imposter syndromes. It just so happened that the imposter syndrome of the diverse individual is exponentially higher. And the first thing that you do when you're not coping is, oh my God, maybe they made a mistake on promoting me. Mm. Oh my God, maybe I'm not qualified to do this particular job. The moment that you have a community of people that are going through the same thing, you go like, oh my God, actually, this is normal, you know? And by the way, you know, Jane gave me a tip and Laura gave me another tip. And so when you have a community, when you have a mentor, and then you have the the person in the company saying, you know, Antonio, remember from now on, you should not focus on the implementation because that's what you used to do. From now on, you have to set direction. You have to earn the seat at the best business table. That actually takes time. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to look at your calendar and I'm going to start taking away mm-hmm. from your calendar the meetings that you used to attend because you're going to have to delegate those meetings so that you can have meetings to sit with me in the decision-making table. Otherwise, you are not going to succeed. That's what it takes. And by the way, that's what gives you a sense of belonging. I have a system, internal and external system, of people that are helping me achieve what I need to achieve because I belong, right, you know? Right, it, absolutely. It, so you have your peers telling you that, you have your external people telling that, you have your mentor telling you, you know, stop crying, dude, you know? Yeah. I <laughs> love change, how Carol describes yeah. it. You know, sometimes doors are going to open, people are going to open doors for you. It's up to you to walk through it, right? And when you walk through it, everything you just described, when all that can come together, it's powerful. It's like they say, you know, congratulations, you got promoted. Now you have to earn your seat. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Antonio, you know, you mentioned you talk with executives and you talk with folks just going through this all the time, right? Every week you talk with people about this. 
I feel like the tremendous, you know, wisdom and insights that you're sharing with everyone, I hope everyone's paying attention and taking note here because this is really important, but that you had to have had some of those experiences yourself. So I want to ask you a little bit about that. I feel like you can connect with people when they've had moments like that. I want to ask you about maybe moments of discrimination that you felt through your career coming up. When you experienced that, when faced with it, what did that feel like? What was it? And then also, how did you overcome that? How did you find ways to handle those issues? Right. So to tell you the truth, I was fortunate. And someone like Jonathan Mindenhall, who grew up in the Coca-Cola company and then became the famous CMO of Airbnb. And now we share the, the, I was fortunate that I grew up in the international division. Mm. When you grow up in the international division, the diversity problem that you have is gender, it's male, female in my time, but we all had accents, by the way, including the Americans. We all had accents and we were all coming from different places and you have people from all races and all geographies and there were too many men. Most of us were men. So that was our diversity problem. So I did face discrimination in the South at LSU many times. You know, it's the what I described that this guy is probably dumb. This guy is probably not uh, not smart enough to do this. When it came to get employment <laughs> at LSU, you know, the Hispanics and the Black, we were the boss boys. We were not the, how do you call it, the waiters. waiters. Uh, we had to earn our way into becoming waiters. In that sense, I also had the privilege of, I said, the whole dimension between my, you know, my mother roots and my father roots. Mm. My father was a very proud man. So it was always like, you just, you stand up and you show and you stand up and you showed. And that's how I did it. Then as I became involved in the corporate world, which was very interesting to me, is that only when I started having responsibility over the US market, where some of the issues that we're talking about so dramatic and so, yes, within Countries like Brazil, you have a problem that, you know, more than 50% of the population is black and you have no black executives anywhere and females are still trying to open open it up. So each country has its issues, the U.S. because of its magnitude and the very deep multicultural situation that we have just became very evident. That that's where I started, where I started looking at numbers and I started having conversations with people that saying, you know, I, I can't get ahead. And I honestly, Eric and Carol, I came to the conclusion that if I had not grown within the international division, I don't think if I had grown within the domestic divisions of the companies that I work with, I don't know if I would be where I was eventually able to, to be. Not because people were mean or anything like that, but th- th- there was significant unconscious bias. You know, I had an accent. I came from little old Puerto Rico. I graduated from Louisiana State University. I did not graduate from any of the of the big school. If I had started in any of the domestic divisions, I would have been placed with labels, with labels that were not the majority of the people. By the time I was able to lead all these teams, I already had power. I already had a career. I already had a whole history of results behind me. So it became significantly easier for me to actually become 
become myself. And it became a mantra of opening the doors, dealing with these issues and showcasing what, when you have diverse teams across the entire marketing ecosystem, your business results and the quality of your output will be better. That's what I worked on. That's what I was able to do at HP. I worked on it end to end. And that's kind of my purpose in life, showcasing that it, diverse team will perform better. It's significantly more fun. Yes, it means that you need to navigate conflict because if you have people from different life experiences, there's going to be conflict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that makes it richer. That makes it more significant and, and, and makes the, the output just better. Antonio, given what you just said and your experiences earlier on in your career, fast forwarding to now the work you do today, right? What excites you about the future of marketing? Oh, man. Do you know, I had this concept called Leap. I kind of thought what I wanted to do with it. I basically, what I did was leverage everything that I, I had built over decades. So, My program is built with the Aspen Institute and with Yale School of Management, two organizations that I have been taking my teams for decades and leveraging. And I love my craft. So I wanted to do something within the context of marketing. And and diversity is, for me, the the key to unleash true marketing transformation. So I, I put all that together. And then one day, it was day one, I turned my monitor on and I see... 44 faces, 70% are women, more than 50% are people of color. And it just, you go like, my God, this is what the future should be like. And it was just an amazing sight. All these people are smart, articulated, creative. That's what gets me excited about it. We just need to show, we just need to open doors so that we can show what we can do by increasing the level of awareness on both sides of, of the aisle, if you will, and just creating holistic and systemic process so that it, it, it happened and that then you can measure results. But man, it was just a, honestly, it was just a beautiful sight. That's awesome. That's awesome. What advice would Antonio today give Antonio who was at LSU? Well, um, there to take chances. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. And the last one, which is probably the most important one, is make sure you take care of yourself. Because I, if there's one thing that I have not, I've done many things well in my life and I feel very good about them. One, one of the things that I have not done well was taking care of myself during this journey. The work that we do is hard, very hard. Leading organizations is hard on its own. If you are a diverse candidate is just harder because you're in a pedestal all day long. And, and there's a lot of people that are cheering for you. And there's a lot of people that are <laughs> really hoping that you uh, slip. I was not fully aware of what the pressures of leadership can do to you, both physically and importantly, mentally. And some of my biggest areas of opportunities or mistakes or failures were in that area, you know, being too focused on my career and losing a marriage on my international, my first international assignment on my first CMO job after three years of it, I ended up uh, diagnosed with chronic depression. And although it was not anybody's fault to get diagnosed with something like that, it comes with your genetic makeup. 
I was not paying attention to myself. And I made things worse by not dealing with that. And then 10 years later, I, I had a heart attack. And, and once again, I was not paying attention to all, all the signals. So if, if there's one thing that I would tell myself, if there's one thing that I tell all these young leaders that I'm working on, it's really, 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 really very important that you take care of yourself. And by that, I mean physically, mentally, and even spiritually, because you are the only thing that you've got. You are more than who you think you are because of everything that you represent. We all have an obligation to succeed so that we can open doors for the next generation. And if, if we're not fully aware of what life does to us, it's not going to work. And I feel blessed and lucky that I was able to survive all that. It made me stronger. It made me find purpose. It changed my entire outlook in life. But you don't need to fall. In order to do that, if you're able to increase your level of awareness, if you're able to just tap into resources that are indeed available, including community, including mentors, including sponsors, I didn't have them at the time, it would be significantly easier. So you matter a lot. Take care of yourselves is all I wanted to say. Well said. Uh, Eric and I talk about this a lot. I mean, you as a leader... You can't take care of others and open doors for others unless you are taking care of yourself. You can't do much without your help. So well said, Antonio, really appreciate it. Fun question I love asking every guest that we have on the podcast, which is to give us the top three apps that you use on your phone, but you can't name email, calendar, or text messaging because those are way too boring. First one is WhatsApp, because that's how I get in, in contact with all the friends that I have around the world. And it's normally on Saturdays when my soccer team, Real Madrid, is playing. And I have, <laughs> you know, people in Spain, people in Latin America, people in the US, in different cities. We're all bantering, particularly between Barcelona and Madrid all the time. So that's kind of fun. That's how I also keep in touch with with my family, which is scattered around Spain and Puerto Rico and, and multiple cities in the United States. I also use Twitter a lot. It's probably the way that I, that I have been keeping up with the craft for many years now. So that's how I stay up to date. And I also, I also have to be in Instagram so that I can keep up with my daughters. Otherwise, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add on two more, Antonio. Give me one or two salsa artists and one or two reggaeton artists. So you like. Oh, my God. Uh, reggaeton, I have to tell you, it's, it's Bad Bunny, man. It, he's, it. He's, he's the man. And when it comes to salsa for me, anything that El Gran Combo played was, was, was great. I went to dances with them when I was in high school. and. It always brings great memories. Fantastic. I want to point out a couple of things that you shared with everyone is I thought they were, they were really insightful and talking about not really having mentors or the community to tap into. And that's a big reason why Carol and I started the podcast. And so we're grateful and we're thrilled to have you share all of that with folks that are coming up. And now there's a resource, you know, for them. You talked a lot about opening doors and being supportive and and then I hope people really pay attention to that. So thank you very much for joining us, Antonio. And we also want to thank our partner, AdColor, the largest, most recognized cross-discipline diversity and inclusion initiative for creative industries. It's been a lot of fun. And 
for our listeners that want to follow you? It sounds like Twitter might be a good place to sort of follow yeah. you or stay in touch. Yeah, what's, what's maybe one or two other ways? Twitter is probably the, the most, on the other one is LinkedIn as well, which I'm very active. That's actually how I'm uh, connecting with a lot of the people that are participating in my program. So LinkedIn or Twitter is probably the best way. Excellent. Well, thank you again for hanging out with us. And thanks everyone for listening to another episode. You can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video and just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Thank you.